Hey, it's Rainy Jude, the Holistic Health Hotline. I've been gone a while, I know. Um, just too much to do, I guess, and not enough hours in the day. A lot of responsibilities over here, but so don't we all, right? And uh, one of those responsibilities is mothers, and we have Mother's Day coming up in a couple weeks. I'll be out of town for some of that time, so I don't know if I'll get back on the air before that um, to explain what Mother's Day is all about, but we'll do it today, and we'll put it up on the on the uh, podcast list. For those of you who are, are new to this, you can go to the website and listen to um, almost 200 different podcasts, or you can go on Podomatic.com and look up the Holistic Health Hotline and listen to, I don't know, maybe 50 or 60 different podcasts. Um, we do this, and that's that's it's for you, and uh, it does make me happy too. Actually, I, I enjoy doing the podcast. I enjoy being on the radio. I've been on radio programs all last week uh, across the country, and um, promoting the books, of course, which many of you still haven't bought book two or read it, and you can tell who's read it and who hasn't by who's well and who isn't. So take that as a warning or whatever. Um, we talked about a lot of things over the last few podcasts, some of them particular to certain diseases and also politics. And today we're going to talk about Mother's Day and politics um, because there is a yin and yang in all energy, whether that's in our bodies, uh, in the way we try to deal with the imbalances that are going on um, physically, emotionally, mentally, etherically, and it, 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 we are a microcosm of what goes on in the world. So when we talk about politics, when we talk about why a certain holiday um, came into being, it's, it's to teach us, to help us understand that we are constantly trying to get into balance at the same time that we seem to strive so hard to get out of it. Um, we, we always swing to one side or the other. We always do something in excess that we shouldn't instead of just being kind of moderate down the middle, which, you know, some people have said to me, well, that's like fence sitting. Not really, because you can be very committed to being down the middle and being in balance versus um, going one way or the other all the time. So Mother's Day, I, might, I you all know that I moved my mother down here about a year ago. It'll be a year ago on Mother's Day, I think, just about. And um, it's been an interesting process, like it is for anyone who, who's uh, over 50 or 40 or 30 even, who, who lives next door to their mothers. Um, but it's been a good one. I think everybody has grown, and it's been a solid kind of thing. But Mother's Day comes up, and everybody feels pretty obligated to make sure that they do something for Mother's Day. Usually it's flowers and candy and dinner out or or something like that. For people who go to visit their mothers on Mother's Day, it's kind of a disservice because mothers always end up shopping and cleaning the house and doing dinner for you instead. So that really shouldn't happen. Um, in the United States, uh, it, it's, Mother's Day is celebrated in many countries, but not as Mother's Day, not as we look at it. It used to be a solstice holiday, it used to be an equinox holiday um, around the first day of spring. There were Greek traditions around honoring mothers or women, and then people did bestow gifts because in those days, you know, you bestowed gifts upon the gods and the goddesses, and, and so you gave gifts. In the United States, uh, it was really... Julia Ward Howe, who started Mother's Day um, right after the Civil War, and it was it, it was actually started during the war, but didn't really come into focus until after the war. But it was to unite women against war. That's what it was for. Mothers are the ones who lose their children in wars, 
And uh, and Julia Ward Howell said, you know, we don't want to lose any more children in wars. So it was a call to unite women against war. In 1870, which was a few years after the Civil War, she wrote something called the Mother's Day Proclamation, which was a call for peace and disarmament. Um, didn't really get much recognition for that because, of course, we didn't have televisions and radios and podcasts to get the word out. And the war was over, so what happens in America, as it does in many countries, for those of you in Australia and, and Japan and Ireland and Scotland and England and all those places that listen to this podcast, what happens in many countries is we get complacent. Once we're not threatened or we feel that we're not threatened or it's not happening to me, then complacency sets in and we just feel like, well, there's no need to unite for anything for peace or disarmament because there's no war right now. So she kind of lost, okay? Um, there was an Appalachian homemaker in 1858, before the war was over, who tried to improve sanitation. So she called it Mother's Work Days, that not only were our, their sons dying in wars and, and um, women and children also dying in wars, but the sanitary conditions around war-like countries were poor. So she said, you know, um, they need better sanitary conditions on both sides because dysentery and, and malaria and all those things were happening and killing people um, almost as much as the war was. So she tried to get both the Union and the Confederacy to to unite for better sanitation um, conditions. And then in the United States, of course, it has become a hallmark uh, holiday. Um, it used to be customary to plant tomatoes after Mother's Day because we knew that Mother's Day happened at a certain time of the year and it was safe then to plant tomatoes. Um, and Jarvis again tried to start a Memorial Day for women, which was celebrated all around 1908. And, um, uh, tried to get, that's a, the place where she started as a landmark now, but she tried to get it a national holiday and it didn't happen until Woodrow Wilson in 1914 declared the first National Mother's Day. And that was actually a day for American citizens to show the flag in honor of those mothers whose sons had died in war. So it's really a war-related day. It's a day of, of remembering that, that women are the mothers of this country, of this world. They are the keepers of the earth and they have the children. They are the you know the budding plants, the the rose bushes. They are all of those things that have the children who end up going to war or suffering under oppression or um, losing or not ever having anything because of taxation or oppression or lack of food. They're the ones who suffer. And if you if you're a mother out there, you know exactly what I mean. It doesn't matter how old your child is. They are still your baby, and you still worry about them, and it still hurts whenever they get hurt. Um, and fathers feel some of that, but not the same way, because they're so detached in many ways from the birthing process and that initial first two years of, of bringing the kid up. They're, they're usually around once the child, especially if it's a boy, um, is two or three or four years old and they start walking and catching balls and running and things, then the fathers all of a sudden take over and say, you know, this, this is my kid too. Um, and because they felt left out while the mother was nursing and, and taking care of this brand newborn, they felt like they weren't getting the attention, so they become very attached, detached from all this, whereas mothers never become detached. I don't care what a kid does, no matter how bad they might be, or, or in our eyes, bad, I never use that word, but no matter how, how much they may disappoint us, they're still always our babies. 
and of course the United States that has become commercialized. Um, it's one of the most popular days of the year. It's the National Restaurant Association says it is the most popular day to dine out at a restaurant. Um, and of course, flowers and cards and candy to, to honor mom. But we don't understand all the time, or most of us don't anyway, that we're honoring our life, that this person gave us life. And so no matter what they have done to you or what they do to you or say to you or how they act with you or whatever, they gave you life and you as a human being should be grateful and should honor the person and the people who have done that for you because they gave you this life that you're living and you can never forget that. Um, around the world it's not so popular. It's it's celebrated in different ways. Uh, you know, it, in various religions there's, there's um, different days that it's celebrated but it's not always for the same reasons. It's Women's Day or it's it's Grandmother's Day, um, and the more commercialized it gets, of course, the worse it gets. The the, the less you're going to see of of what the true reality is about Mother's Day. Uh, but what you sh what should you be doing now? Whether you are a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. We all have a part of our mother in us, and we are all part mothers, man or woman. You have a mother part of you, a part that wants to be the keeper of the earth, a part that wants to um, create and help guide a baby into a child, into a human being, into a grown-up. We all have those parts of us that are mothers, and, and that's why, you know, when they say single-parent households are no good for kids, I, I've been a part of that, and it's, it doesn't work that way. We all have male and female energy, and when it's necessary, we bring up the male energy if we're women, and... When it's necessary, we bring up the female energy for men. And you'll see men being very compassionate and caring and nurturing and um, singing their babies to sleep and doing all those kinds of things when the mother's not around, when the woman isn't around to take over that job, and vice versa. When the men aren't around, the women will do all the stuff like baseball and football that the boys would have done if they were there. So we both have those energies, and, and um as parents, we, we use them as much as possible, or we try to find them. So what you should be doing on Mother's Day is finding the mother within, finding that part of you that understands what this world is truly about, not the money, not who's getting ahead faster in corporate America or in some company in Japan or China, um, not who's stronger, has the biggest and toughest body, not who has the most money in their pocket or the fastest, shiniest car. It's not what life is about. It's not what creation is about. It's not what living is about. Um, most of us have to re-examine what our lives are about and what living is about. We've, we've just become, especially in America, so embodied in the material, so dependent on... Uh, on money and what that money means. Um, and then we move all that into politics, and that's why this is connected today. Uh, I got an email from someone who wanted to share with me a historical kind of thing. And, and of course, this is slanted, and I'll unslant it after I get done telling you about it, but <clears throat> a little over a year ago is what the email was about, when people voted for um, change. In, uh, in our country. They voted for change. Everybody wanted change. They were hopeful of change. And so they voted in a democratically controlled Congress in 2006. 
the democratically controlled Congress does change things. Now, that's the Yang side. The Yin side is the Republican side. Why we only have two parties, maybe that's why, because we only understand Yin and Yang. We don't go multidimensional. We don't understand quantum physics. So, uh, so we stay on the two-dimensional path, and we watch one party or the other and think that that's our only choice. And then, um, and usually make the wrong decisions around those choices. But a little over a year ago, consumer confidence was at a two and a half year high. And gasoline was about $2.19 a gallon. The unemployment rate was 4.5%. Okay, now, the cost of regular gasoline today is how much? Anywhere from 350 to 390 going up over $4 by Memorial Day. Unemployment is up to 5%, which is a 10% increase. Um, American households have seen $2.3 trillion in equity value evaporate. That means like stocks and mutual funds that you have, your IRAs and your 401ks in, etc. Home equity in America has dropped by $1.2 trillion with 1% of American homes in foreclosure. Um, I don't think we understand in this country, and we should by now, that yes, you vote for a president who has veto power. But presidents do not have lawmaking power. So why the hell do we have all these lawyers always running for president? I asked somebody, what is it? You know, well, they think they know the law, so they should be president. That's not what being a president is about. Being president is leadership and and, um, and ethics and integrity and truthfulness and all those things that should be going into this person who runs for president. It shouldn't be the amount of money that they can get from rich people to change things in their own lives. It shouldn't have anything to do with that. But, of course, in our country, again, if you go back to the history, when Washington was elected, they actually, um, that's when the Electoral College started, and they actually stuffed the ballot boxes different size to make sure that there was enough of a split so that Washington would be elected because that's who they wanted to be president. So we're not, we haven't changed much, have we? We haven't learned very much either. But it's Congress who makes the law. It's Congress that you vote for, truly. It's the representatives from your state that you should be concentrating on more every time that there's an election because they're the ones who pass all these laws or write these laws um, while they're in office. And Congress and the Senate had all originated, actually, in this country from Native American ways of tribal representation. The Iroquois Nation, which was made up of six different tribes in the Northeast, uh, the Iroquois being the first group of tribes that settlers really got to know and ran into, um, taught the founding fathers like Franklin and Jefferson and all those people what their makeup of their government was. and. The way they governed was by representation. So it was a republic. It was a representative government where they would have um, tribal council meetings, uh, whether that was at a big tree or at a big fire. It didn't matter. There was a central point, and they'd send out messengers, and that's like telegrams or phone calls or cell calls, and say, you know, there's a meeting next week at, at um, such and such a place. And the tribal leaders who were elected by their particular tribes, their groups, their towns, their cities, their counties, their states, would send their representatives to this meeting. And they were told before they got there that we are this kind of people and we will not stand for this, this, or the other, so this is the way you need to vote at the council meeting. And then allowed them, of course, the freedom to discern what was going on and, and um, use their power. But they could not return to their people and say, oh, no, I voted the other way. Um, and live. They wouldn't live. 
if they did that, because then they were not representing the people or the truth, and no tribe would allow that to happen. That certainly has changed, hasn't it? <clears throat> we elect people into into Congress. We elect their representatives based on how cute they are, how much money they can get, um, which law firm they were a part of, and and then they go off to Washington for a few days, and, and the rest of the time they're out traveling or doing whatever else they, they do to play and make their paychecks. And uh, half the time don't vote for anything or don't show up for a vote or they vote not a way that we want them to vote. And if you try to get a hold of them, you can't, can you? You can write to them and know that some intern is probably opening up the letter. You can email them and know that an intern or assistant has deleted you or you got spammed away. But So you're not really being represented, represented and therefore we don't have a republic. Um, we don't have a democracy either. In, in any sense of the word because there's no democratic solution to what's going on now because nobody listens to the people and it's the people who count. I want to give you a quote uh, from, from Barack Obama and I want you to remember this quote, okay? He said, my friends, we live in the greatest nation in the history of the world. I hope you'll join me as we try to change it. Very interesting. Very interesting choice of words. Now, what that person would say is, I didn't mean that. Well, the vibration of those words is, I live in a wonderful world, let me change it. Uh, I live in the greatest country, let me change it. And so we vote for changing it, and we won't live in the greatest country anymore. Um, I have done my homework on Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and John McCain. Personally, I wouldn't vote for either of any of them, any of the three. Um, but I'm going to be very careful about not voting because if I don't vote, I, I no longer have a country, do I? This is what I'm here for, is to, is uh, being a citizen for, is to vote for representation. If you were uh, looking at either party and you say, well, I'm a Democrat, I have to vote Democrat, or Republican, so I have to vote Republican, um, boy, get away from that because the party doesn't even agree on what they agree on or what their goals are. So don't vote for the party. You have to find the person. Uh, Barack Obama is scary to me. Hillary is scary and John McCain is scary. So what are you going to do? Now, if you're a person who just worries about taxes, shame on you. I actually had an argument with a man several months ago because, oh, if you do anything else but vote Republican, they'll, they'll increase taxes. Well, or they'll, yeah, because Republican Party is known for cutting taxes for the rich. They cut taxes and they also cut social programs and they allow illegal immigration and they create wars so that they can build up more capital. So, yeah, if that's, taxation is important, then make sure that you know that you're also voting for the other things. If um, social programs are important, then remember that your taxes are going to go up, okay? And no matter what you believe in, those taxes are not going to be used for what you think they're going to be used for. <laughs> and then we ought to talk about the war, the war in Iraq and other wars that have gone on. Every uh, Republican um, administration has been in a war. Look at the history again. I started you know, Eisenhower even after World War II. We had to go into Korea, you know. So Republican presidents have this this venue of let's go to war and um, stay in the war as long as possible to increase uh, profits for the manufacturing plants that we have all over the world um, that we're not doing so well at right now because we're importing more junk 
and we are making money. But you know, we'll, we'll make sure we protect all the oil, and then we'll, we'll, some of us will still be rich. But let me tell you where the money's really going. We have trillions and trillions of dollars worth of debt. But think about this: eleven to twenty-two billion dollars is spent every year on welfare to illegal aliens by each state. We have how many states? Multiply that out. 11 to 22 billion by each state per year for welfare for illegal aliens. Now, again, my grandparents were immigrants on my father's side. My mother's side is like 17 generations. But, um, but they didn't come here to be on welfare. They came here to become part of a nation that they wanted to help grow and be strong. And they kissed the ground. When they got here, they learned English and they learned how to do things their, the, the American way. That didn't mean that they didn't cook Italian anymore. So we have Italian restaurants. And they spoke Italian at home. But they learned English. They read English. They voted by learning English and voting for someone because they could read what that person did or was going to do or said they were going to do. 11 to $22 billion per state per year on welfare for illegal aliens. $2.2 billion a year spent on food assistance programs like food stamps and free school lunches for illegal aliens. Keep adding this up. And I can give you all the websites if you email me that you can go uh, verify all this stuff. $2.5 billion a year spent on Medicaid for illegal aliens. $12 billion a year on primary and secondary school education for children here illegally. And they still can't speak English. $17 billion a year for education for the American-born children of illegal aliens known as anchor babies. $3 million a day is spent to incarcerate illegal aliens. $3 million a day. 30% of all federal prison inmates in this country are illegal aliens. $90 billion a year is spent on illegal aliens for welfare and social services. $200 billion a year in suppressed American wages are caused by illegal aliens. Illegal aliens have a crime rate that's two and a half times that of white non-illegal aliens. In particular, their children. They're going to be a huge crime problem in the U.S. in the future because they're not getting, they can't speak English or read English or hear English, so they're not getting any education from any of us on how to live in America and abide by laws and their parents aren't helping it <laughs> and being the parent whether they're the mothers or the fathers on Mother's Day or not they're not doing what they need to do to get those children lined up for the next seven generations knowing what being a human being is all about during the year 2005 there were four to ten million illegal aliens that crossed our southern border 19,000 of them from terrorist countries. The National Policy Institute estimated the total cost of mass deportation if we were to deport everyone would be 206 to $230 a billion dollars or an average cost of 41 to 46 billion over a five year period. So, do the math. In 2006, illegal aliens sent home $45 billion in remittances to their own countries, not to our tax-paying system. So when you're thinking about voting and you're thinking about taxes, you say, well, I can't vote for this party because they're going to raise taxes, or I want to vote for this party because they're going to lower taxes. Um, think again, because you've got all of these millions of people 
who are gaining their incomes through our industries, which sometimes causes no jobs for people who actually do want them, regardless of what the propaganda says, and then they're taking all of that money and sending it back to their own countries, be they terrorist countries or not. Um, I think the women should unite. I think the mothers of this country should unite against all of this. And there should be a mother's party. There should be a woman's party. Because you guys, you're not doing it. You're out there looking for where the buck is going to stop and how much of it you're going to get 90% of the time. And you're not thinking like a mother. You're not finding the mother within that says, what am I doing to preserve my country? What am I doing to preserve my soil, my future? my children and my great-great-great-grandchildren. What am I doing for the generations to come? What kind of leadership am I providing as the man of the house, the head of the household? What kind of leadership and, and um, example am I setting for the children, be they girls or boys, when it comes to abiding by laws, making laws that make sense, being just, not being judgmental, learning what I need to learn to become a viable part of the country I live in and believing in that country enough to be nationalistic, to actually stand up and put my hand on my heart when my flag is risen. What kind of leadership am I providing? Or am I so afraid that, you know, I'm a high school principal or I'm a congressman or I'm a policeman or I'm a mayor or I am a corporate um, manager or... CEO, am I so afraid that somebody might not like me, might not want to buy me a drink, might not want to vote for me to be president of the city council, that I can't stand on my own two feet and say, this is my country, these are my children, and I need to change what's going on. Not change the way Barack Obama is talking about changing. Not taking the greatest country in the world and changing it to somebody else's country. Not changing it so that all the poor people of the world um, will now have more brothers and sisters who are, are more poor than they are. Not changing it with fear. Not changing it by giving people the false sense of hope and using that word to move you into this um, this charmed place of, of, of uh, I don't know, this charmed dream world that you think that this person who made $3.5 million last year's personal income that's taxable, we don't know about the non-taxable, is going to change your lives because he smiles and plays basketball on, on talk shows. Um, boy, think twice. Think a million times before you go the wrong way on this yin-yang issue. Try to find the balance. And if you can't find the balance, then damn, we don't have much time. Get the women out there and unite. Get the women out there and understand that mothers care about more that happens in this country than fathers do. And all of you mothers who are trying to be like men who are swearing up and down and using F-words and thinking that's cool and giving away your body and having sex 20 times a week with whoever you feel like it and you feel like that's liberation. I was part of the women's movement. I was, I was a beginning part of the women's movement. Um, I studied the women's movement before I became a part of it way, way back. And in the 70s, I marched on campuses and I did lots of things, but I never once in my mind, my heart, or my soul said, it's because I'm trying to be like a man. It's, I never once said, I want to be equal to the energy of male. 
what I did tell people and what I did try to, to educate women about was to become empowered enough to find your female. So today I say to the women, go back to finding your female and to the men, find the motherhood within you. Find that part of you that knows that this country is important and it needs to be saved. It is sick. It is dying. It needs you to be there with your leadership, your strength, and your power, um, both sides. So I'll be back in a couple of days, I hope. Um, I'm, I'm just really inundated with so many different projects, trying to do so many things. Thank you again to those who out there who did what they could for the bison at Yellowstone National Park. Um, shark bite out in near San Diego. Be aware that shark bites, we have said for four years now and been right every single time, always indicate that there's a probable storm beneath that surface that's causing those sharks to come inward and to bite and to draw blood to get our attention. So San Diego area, beware of uh, the weirdest thing that could possibly happen, you know, like a hurricane coming up and wiping you out or whatever. Be prepared, that's all. It's not scary. It's just telling you to be prepared. This is something that's going to happen. Um, and I think that's it. I think that's enough. I think that's enough to digest for today. Go out and find the female. Go out and find the mother within. This is Rainy G for the Holistic Health Hotline, earthwalk-usa.com.